0: Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit, this is our special July 4th weekend show. And in honor of that, I think that we should look for things to talk about that bring us together, that affect all of us instead of everything being so political, being so partisan. There's more things in America that bring us all together than divide us, or at least there should be. It's, it's hard to see it these days because the country is so horribly divided, but there, again, there are issues that we all can agree upon and shouldn't be partisan events that one side hates just because the other side favors and vice versa. So because of that, I want to go through a couple of issues like that before I speak about some things that are going on in my practice. Now, one of them is going to be an update on the K Flock murder trial that's going to be coming up. That's in New York County in Manhattan. There's some updates on that I want to get into, but I want to speak about one of the things is the new gun laws that were passed just last week, the end of last week by in New York, and they're going to go into effect September 1st. And the purpose of these were solely to combat the Supreme Court's decision, which allows legal gun owners the rights to conceal carry their guns in public. Now. I'm not saying necessarily that that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, the fact that people can carry guns in public if they're legally permitted to do so. But what happened here, and it happened on a Friday, and it didn't get a lot of news, and gun owners, I don't even know if they're aware of it in New York, it's an absolute disgrace. And again, a partisan pushback solely for Kathy Hochul, the accidental governor of New York, to show that she's against conservative ideals with regards to guns. And she and her, the leftists, which run New York, and they've run it into the ground, and certainly she's not completely responsible because, again, she is the accidental governor and she didn't get the position until Andy Cuomo resigned. They're so pleased with themselves. They're so pleased that they passed these new gun laws that are clearly, obviously designed to obstruct the Supreme Court's decision, they're so pleased with themselves, e- even though they rule over a state that is literally circling the drain. Nobody wants to live in New York anymore. Every successful person who doesn't have to be here gets out. The only reason you're living in New York at this point is because professionally, you don't have a choice. It's your job. It's the only way you can earn a living. You just can't pick up and leave and go to a state that's you know, less idiotic unless you have a way to support yourself. But anybody with a brain who can leave is leaving, but Kathy Hochul doesn't care. Uh, All they care about is their virtue signaling and their desperate attempt to show that they can stand up to Republicans. And I'm going to go through this law and you're going to agree with me. And again, I'm not solely partisan one way or the other. I mean, I think I've made it clear my positions. I find Donald Trump, and I've been saying this since The moment he began running in 2016, I found him to be a contemptible idiot. Now, granted, compared to Biden, at least Trump had some good policies. Biden is just, you know, not only does he have horrible policies, but he's so out of it and so tired and so old and so demented that he's being led around by the nose by administration people around him that clearly have a far left agenda. They're destroying the country. It couldn't be more obvious. But I actually hate both parties at this point. I find the Republicans to be pathetic and weak and unwilling to stand up to the leftists. And I find the Democrats at this point, this is not the Democratic Party that I grew up with, that I um, was a registered voter for until not that long ago. It's just not. I mean when I think of the Democratic Party that I cared about, it was the the party of, of John Kennedy, even up to Clinton who I had, uh, respect for. Now it's the party of Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Alexandria, Cortez, Jimenez, uh, Ocasio, and, uh, you know, the other savages, uh, from the squad that the uh, Q-tip had. What the fuck is her? Ilhan Omar. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Let's see if we could bleep that part out. Anyway, so let's look at these new gun laws, uh, that were passed. First thing I want to say is, The people that are actually causing mayhem with the guns in New York, the the criminals that have the serial numbers that are filed off the guns, they don't care about these new gun initiatives. Let's just make that clear. So who are we directing these new laws at? They're not directed at the criminals because they don't make any difference to people. If you're willing to carry an illegal gun and kill someone with it, you don't give a damn about the law. Let's just make that clear. So these laws are designed to affect the only people that Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, the accidental governor, they're only designed to affect law-abiding people. Because those are the only people she has any control over. The gun violence is out of control in New York. She doesn't know what she's doing. I doubt that she's ever even handled a gun in her life. She doesn't understand. And what about all the makers of the ghost guns? You know, they're the guns with no serial numbers at all. Do do you think uh, the people that make those guns, that handle those guns, do you think they care about the fact that Kathy Hochul is cracking down on licensed gun owners who may now have the ability to carry a concealed weapon in public before they could just have it in their homes unless they could prove that their lives were in grave danger, which, of course, is ridiculous because New York is so corrupt. People were just paying off those that decided whether or not you deserved a carry permit. Now, I spoke to an imprisoned client, I'm not going to mention him, but he's charged with murder, spoke to him the other day, and he said that the new Supreme Court ruling, which allows licensed New York gun owners to carry a gun without having to overcome that nearly impossible hurdle that I just explained to prove that their lives are in danger, the Supreme Court decision changing that law will make it much tougher for criminals to commit crimes against people in New York. And this is coming from somebody who is charged with murder in New York with a gun. And he said, he says, you know, the armed thieves that are out there, they're going to think twice before they rob somebody in New York because they don't know whether or not the person's got a gun and is going to shoot them. People don't commit crimes because they, for the most part, they want to rob someone. They're not doing it and they want to get killed. They want to get the money. And why go after someone who you think may be carrying a concealed weapon now. Not going to do it. And this is coming from somebody who is charged with murder with a gun in New York City. But Kathy Hochul needs to show her leftist bona fides. She needs to show that she'll stand up to conservatives by screwing up the Supreme Court's decision by making the most unrealistic changes to New York new gun laws. And she even gutted some of the ones that existed before the Supreme Court's decision. She did that for one purpose, and it was solely to obfuscate, to obstruct. Now, I want you to think of the disasters that are going to follow with this new law that's been passed, and it's going to go into effect on September 1st. And it's going to surely result in more litigation, which New York will surely lose again, I promise you, because some of these things are just moronic, and they're knowingly moronic, Kathy Hochul and her cohorts, or leftist cohorts, they know what they're doing. They know that these rules, these new laws they made are completely unrealistic and are going to be unenforceable, but they don't care. Here's one of them, a ban on carrying firearms in sensitive places. Now, some of that I agree with, and we're going to go into that. One of the places is New York City's Times Square, but also schools, universities, government buildings, public protest venues, healthcare facilities, places of worship, libraries, Playgrounds, parks, bars, theaters, stadiums, museums, polling places, and casinos. I mean, that's like half of New York. But as I said, some of it I get, like government buildings or courthouses. We don't want armed people uh, in the public walking into federal courthouses and shooting witnesses as as they're getting off the stand or unpopular politicians. I mean, there's not enough bullets uh, for the unpopular politicians if people wanted to kill them in New York. And I also understand that there shouldn't be. Uh, firearms allowed in bars in New York. I get it. People are drinking. Probably not a great idea to let people have uh, weapons. I know that uh, some people that are listening, gun people are like, oh, you're crazy. You got to have a gun in a bar. It's exactly when you need it. Well, you know what? It's not a great idea. But you can't carry a concealed gun in a university or or school, like an adult, obviously not a kid. You have to be licensed, remember. Isn't that where so many of the crazies with guns show up and start shooting? It's at the schools and places of worship as well. Before this new law was passed, when uh, lunatics were walking into churches and walking into synagogues and shooting people up, those churches, those places of worship, those synagogues were beseeching their congregants who had carry permits to come protect us, come to synagogue with a gun. Or, or a church, come with it and protect us. You can stand outside if, if, if need be, so that we're not going to get shot up. I mean, they were asking for the security from congregants. And, and now with this new law, you can't bring a weapon inside. You're just a sitting duck for the maniac who doesn't care about the law. Just fuck it, I don't care. I'm going to walk in and, and kill me some Jews or kill me some Christians or kill me some, uh, some blacks in a black church. They don't care about the new law. They don't care. They don't care about any of the laws. But Kathy Hochul is going to disarm law-abiding citizens and allow them to be targets in these places. You remember at the very end of 2019, it was like December 29th, I think, an armed churchgoer stopped a gunman who opened fire inside a Texas church after the gunman had already killed two people. That guy whose name was Jack Wilson. And I remember his shooting. It was on video. It was amazing. It was a long shot in a very tense situation. It had to be, I don't know, 50 feet. It looked long and he he hit the guy in the head, killed him. He was awarded Texas's highest honor, the governor's medal of courage for stopping that armed criminal who brought a gun into a church and opened fire. He killed a, a deacon and a member of the church's volunteer armed security team, whatever that means. And Jack Wilson, this hero said, quote, when events arise, you're going to do one of two things. you're either going to step up and do what's right or you're going to walk away. And I'm not one to walk away. And that's why he did what he did and he saved God knows how many people that's what he said when he accepted that medal. Kathy Hokel would have Wilson, Jack Wilson arrested for doing what he did. An honest, law-abiding man who was armed and he stopped a slaughter from happening. Kathy Hogel's got that smug look on her face and she's all she cares about is her leftist bona fides and getting elected. She doesn't care if it helps or hurts people. She doesn't care about what's best for everybody. She cares what's best for her. Now, the next thing, no guns in Times Square. Now, New York is crowded all over. It's not like Times Square is like some kind of building that you walk into and it's got jammed people in there. It's just a series of blocks in New York City With a bunch of tourist shit in the middle of it. There's nothing special about it. It's outdoors and it's roughly defined. It's not 100% defined. It's not like, as I said, it doesn't have an address. It's entire blocks from like 42nd Street on the west side to 45th Street. Some people think Times Square goes up to 47th Street and then it's bordered by, uh, I guess, Broadway on one side and 7th Avenue on the other. No one knows for sure what Times Square is, but Kathy Hochul is, is, is going to make it impossible to bring a gun in there. That's a, a crime. You go to jail if you bring a weapon into Times Square. Well, how are they going to search the people that are wandering around in the, in the mid-40s on the west side? If you enter into the area, there's going to be what? Cops are going to be like ringing the place, and they're going to be searching every person? Is there going to be metal detectors? I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. How do you enforce it? You don't enforce it. You can't enforce it. And also, you can't carry guns in public protest venues is the new law. Those places aren't labeled in New York. When BLM and Antifa, the George Floyd protests were going on, they were marauding crowds. They were robbing and trashing stores and and buildings all over New York City, all over the state not at some like demarcated places that say you can only protest here the the people that are protesting and destroying shit they don't care about the law many of them not not all of them there are there were certainly some organized protests that were legal but for the most part these people were just breaking windows and looting apple stores well that's a place of public protest according to them it's vague it's unenforceable, unenforceable, and, and this type of stuff was clearly added to the law in bad faith because she just thinks if she just adds large swaths of New York City where you're not allowed to carry a gun, then no one will carry a gun. That's what she wants. That's what they want, to make it impossible for you to carry a gun and not break the law. Here's another one, another part of the law that's just idiotic. People will not be allowed to take guns into any business or workplace unless owners put up signs saying guns are welcome. Now, think how idiotic this is. And this is why Kathy Hochul should be baking a pie or making bread instead of actually leading the state, because she doesn't know what she's doing. Make a nice pie, Kathy. I mean, really, I mean, no offense to women, but she should be baking pies. You're a law-abiding person in New York, and the Supreme Court has said, that's the highest law in the land, the highest court in the land, that you can carry a gun if you are a licensed gun holder, you can carry it publicly. Now you're walking down the street and you're carrying that gun legally, it's concealed, and you wanna go into, let's say, a rare bookstore in Manhattan. And do you think there's gonna be a sign on the door saying that guns are welcome to every store? Do you think in New York City, a place with liberal freaks that are all over it. You think that store is not going to be destroyed if they've got a a sign in the window saying guns are welcome? Well, for the most part, the people that own these stores, they actually own them for a reason, to make money, to support their families. So of course they want more people in their stores than less people, but they can't dare put a sign up because these crazy leftist scumbags will just burn the store down. So you're walking on the street legally and you just, you know, what happens when you walk and you want to go into a store and you know you don't know if there's a sign, you can't find the sign, what do you do? You knock on the door and you say, "Listen, I've got a gun. Can I come in?" And the guy says, "Well, you know, I, I don't want your gun. You can't come in here. If you want, you got to you got to leave your gun outside." Well, where are you going to leave it? You're going to like put it next to those city bikes on the street? You're going to just leave it on the ground in front of the store? Are they going to have lock boxes inside the store for you to put your guns if they don't want somebody walking around carrying them concealed? You're just going to have store after store where they're not going to let in a a large part of the community because they've got guns. It can't work, this law. And are we going to arrest people and give them mandatory jail time because they're carrying guns, uh, which was legal when it's right outside the door? But as soon as they cross into through the threshold of that door into that store, it's now mandatory jail time. Carrying a weapon in a a prohibited area in New York under this new law is a felony punishable by up to four years in prison. Think about that. How many thousands of cops will need to be hired to handle this new category of crime? How will the courthouses deal with the influxes of all these new criminal cases? What about real crimes that are occurring but can't be policed because the cops are all arresting some dude who mistakenly walked into a store with his legal gun because he was in a store a block away where they allowed him to bring his gun. And now he just walked into the store next door, didn't even think twice about it, forgot that he even had the gun. Come on. New York wants to defund the cops. The district attorneys in New York City want to stop cops from enforcing the laws. But now we're going to force, we're going to focus on arresting law-abiding, responsible gun owners because they mistakenly walked into a store and forgot they were carrying a gun in their holster, which was legal, as I said, three feet outside the store. And and who knows if you if you have a gun? Uh, who even knows if you have it if it's concealed? Are the store owners going to frisk everyone who walks into their store and then call the police if some law-abiding citizen has a gun on them? Will store owners uh, require you to go through a metal detector? As I said to figure out if you're carrying a gun? Who's paying for all this? Is business back in New York in such huge numbers or anywhere in New York State that they can discourage people from shopping due to this new law? Somehow, if you had a carry permit in New York a few months ago before the Supreme Court made their decision, if you're one of those, those lucky few who was allowed to carry a concealed weapon in New York, with this new law, Kathy Hochul now makes that illegal if you were a legal gun owner carrying, and you walked into a store. Now you're going to go to jail. She's made the laws worse than they were even before. It's crazy. And another one is you need 16 hours of training on how to handle a handgun, two hours of firing range training, an in-person interview, and a written exam, as well as a review of social media accounts. Let's, let's go through some of them. Now, there's not that many gun ranges in New York, just so you know, Naturally, because People actually want to have a business that makes money. And how will all these gun ranges find the time to train all of the licensed gun owners 16 hours apiece? You know, many people that that they've seen shooting in their ranges for years, but now the instructors will need to train them on how to properly handle a gun for 16 hours. It's not happening. As I said, there's so few gun ranges in New York 20% 20% of people living in New York, by the way, own guns legally. There's 20 million people who live in this state. There's over 76,000 registered guns in New York State. How are all these people going to get 16 hours of training at such few ranges that exist in this left leftist shit all of the state? Short answer, they're not. The new law is idiotic and it's designed solely to ensure that no one will be able to get a carry permit. No law-abiding person, I mean. The criminals are going to continue to kill. They're going to ignore these idiotic laws, as they always have. So either the wait is going to be too long to fulfill all of these things in order to get a carry permit, or people are just going to give up. But there's not the resources to exist that exist to get you past all these requirements. And again, as I said, the law is going to get knocked out anyway as soon as somebody sues, which they will, as they should. But Kathy Hochul knows what she's doing. She knows that the rules are idiotic. She knows that they're obstructing and that the implementation of these new laws, uh, you know, is designed solely to defeat a higher law in America, the Supreme Court. And you're required to have an in-person interview. I'm just curious, who's going to be doing that interview? Some idiot uh, New York bureaucrat? What is the in-person interview going to be? Sir, do you plan on killing anyone with your gun? I might if they're in the midst of a, of a violent crime and I felt I had to shoot. Up, oh, you fail. Not in New York. You don't take out your gun in New York. So that's a whole other ball of waxes. What are the questions that are going to be asked? Who's going to make the determination about whether you pass that, that interview in person? And who's going to have the time for this? Who's going to pay the people to do these interviews? Next one, a review of social media accounts over the past three years. Again, who is going to be judging what's okay and what's not okay? Like a politician like Anthony Weiner? Let's let Anthony Weiner decide about social media accounts. And look, that was a New York elected official. The guy's uh, sexting children. Children, not once, not twice, repeatedly. Sending pictures of his dicks to children. Yeah, that's that's a, a New York, that's your typical New York politician. He ran for mayor, he was so popular. But that'll be the guy who will determine to go through your social media accounts. Tell me what on your social media accounts will disqualify you from getting a gun permit. I got kicked off Twitter for defending Israel and lambasting the Ayatollah of Iran due to his executing protesters in his community and, and arming the terror groups, Muslim terror groups, Hezbollah and Hamas. In New York, that's probably grounds to disqualify me from carrying a gun because I dare to you know, rail against Muslim terrorists. And we all know in New York, they fucking love them here. They love them here. Who's going to pay for the litigation? All this massive litigation that's going to come up. You, the taxpayer. Because Kathy Hochul, who should be baking pies, all right? She should be baking pies, she should be making banana bread. She decides that she's going to spend all your money, all your taxpayer money, because we don't pay a lot of taxes in New York. There's going to be higher taxes to pay for all this. Tens of thousands of people are going to be disqualified. uh, if you made a bad racist joke on uh, Twitter or on Facebook, they're going to decide. They're going to decide. They know what's best for you, New York State, the great politicians of this leftist shithole. The next thing is you have to undergo periodic background checks and turn over contact information for other people that live in your household. Well, that should have been done years ago. That's fair. Why wasn't that done years ago? Why did it take the Supreme Court to allow legal gun permit holders to carry their weapons in New York before New York decided to actually do background checks of the people that are living in your house with your guns? Why did it take Kathy Hochul? Now, she's had all this time. Andy Cuomo had all this time when he wasn't groping. There was some time in the day when he didn't have his hands in somebody's pants beside his own. Why didn't they do that then? Go through all the people who live in your house. Does anybody have a criminal record? Anybody have a psychological background? Well, then you can't have a gun in your house. Why did it take till now? Makes no sense. She's a career nobody politician, Kathy Hochul, who somehow got this job. As I said, because Andy Cuomo needed a woman on the ticket as lieutenant governor. She's got no substance. As late as 2010, she was the Erie County clerk. That was her job. She was briefly a congresswoman upstate. She won a special election to fill the seat of a retiring congressman. And then, of course, she lost the actual election after that vacated term was completed. She's a loser. She's a nobody. She's a yenta. Cuomo picked her because she was a nothing, nobody, non-threatening idiot to run on his ticket. He needed a warm body who happened to have female genitalia. That's it. She was a woman. She was a loser. But that's how Democrats do politics. It's all affirmative action. It's all identity politics. Not about substance or competence. And now she finds herself again sitting in the big seat to complete the term of a resigning office holder who actually could win the election because she sure as hell can. not Andy Cuomo resigned and, and he had to, she had to be the next governor because she was lieutenant governor. Nobody picks lieutenant governor because they're competent in case something happens to you. You pick it solely to balance the ticket to get votes and she'll, she'll run again. But this time she'll actually win. Because New York is that stupid. You know who she chose to be her lieutenant governor, by the way? A state senator named Brian Benjamin. Where's he now? Well, he was in handcuffs recently. He was promptly federally charged with bribery, fraud, falsification of records for his actions during an election. But he was black. And that's all that mattered. That's why she chose him, to get those votes. Just the way she was chosen because she was a woman. We're not about competence here in New York. This is what New York is. This is the garbage. This is the slop of New York state now. Oh, and by the way, we have shitty weather and the highest taxes in the country. You got to come live here. What could be better? Okay. The next topic, again, this is not a partisan issue. This is something we should all be pissed off about. I'm going to tell you why, what I'm going to talk about. The other day I was driving, I think it was on Friday, Thursday, Friday, and I got a flat tire. I ran over a rock, which sucks. Not that big of a deal, though. My, my car needed to be flat bedded to the dealer and the, the tire needed to be replaced. It was completely destroyed. I, I don't have a spare tire in my car uh, for something like this. It was just going to be like a donut. So the car had to be flat bedded to the, uh, the dealer where I purchased the car. This was not a special tire. Let me make that clear. This is just a regular tire that the factory included with the car. You know, they obviously have a zillion of these tires and they slap them on. You get to pick what size wheel you want. And obviously the tire is going to reflect the size of the wheel. And there's like four choices of wheels uh, for the car that I wanted and probably two different tires. One, maybe 22 inch, one 21. Maybe there was a couple of 20s. I don't remember. So I called uh, late Friday and and, and found out what was going on when I was going to get my car back. It was just a tire. That's all it was. I needed a tire replaced. And they told me that the tire company stopped making the tires and they're not going to start up again until November. But the dealership located one. They found one tire left on the entire eastern seaboard is what they told me. And then I'd get the car back by Tuesday because it's going to take a couple of days for them to get their hands on that tire. Now you're thinking, well, why do not just replace, you know, the tire with something else, you know, the same size? Well, you can't really with a car like this, you have to get four new tires if that's the case. And these are expensive tires. So you can get four new tires or you can just wait a few days and you're lucky that you actually, you know, they actually found the tire. And I'm thinking like, how is this the new normal in America? I can't get a damn tire attire this is the new america and i was pissed about that and then this continued my anger into saturday morning when i read about what's going on in the airports during this holiday weekend that america just crapped the bed at the beginning of this 4-day holiday weekend by the end of friday just one day the very beginning of the holiday 586 us flights were called off 7,773 flights, 7,773 were rescheduled. Think about that. In the last two weeks, the U.S. has seen more than 12,000 flights canceled. And you're thinking, well, then just don't fly. Well, if you want to drive instead of flying, you're going to see all-time record gas prices. Average gas prices have soared 56% from a year ago. 56%. The average hotel room, has increased 23% since Biden's been in office. This is a problem. We have a transportation secretary, again, because it's a Democrat, who was chosen not for his experience in handling transportation issues, even though I understand he does like trains, we have a transportation secretary who was chosen for one single reason. He's gay. He was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, His experience in transportation as mayor of that blue-collar city was to get rid of one-way streets. Slow clap. He expanded sidewalks. Fantastic. And he increased biking in South Bend. Oh, and by the way, he also installed several roundabouts in the city. Naturally, he's totally clueless on how to handle both the supply chain issues that exist still in America. The airports. You got ships that are still stuck in ports not getting unloaded for months now. Months they're not getting unloaded. Joe Biden said when he picked this gay man for a position that he was completely unqualified for, he said of Butt Gug, Pete Butt Gug, that's who we're talking about. He's a leader, a patriot, and a problem solver. He speaks to the best of who we are as a nation. Well, Jesus H, man, if this nasty piece of work is the best of us, we are really in deep shit, and we really suck as a nation. In the midst of the supply chain issue last year, the Transportation Department never announced that Butt would be taking paternity leave, which began in mid-August of 2021. He just stopped going to work. He just stopped going to work, and America wasn't even told that in the midst of the worst supply chain issues maybe ever in this country, we had no transportation secretary. He took two full months off for paternity leave. Apparently, his husband was unable to take care of the children by himself. God knows how many nannies they had. But Pete Buttgug had to skip two months of work after getting confirmed for his position just a few months earlier. He adopted two babies. He adopted two babies. He's the father. I guess the other guy's the... I don't know what it can you. Two fathers, I guess. So he, he knowingly took the job as transportation secretary. During difficult issues relating to transportation, Biden knowingly gave him the job. During the worst supply chain issues we may ever have had as a country, as I said, knowing that Pete Buttgug would be disappearing for months, that he was adopting these two kids. He had to be with his two adopted kids for two months. Weekends aren't enough for Pete Butgug. Nights aren't enough for Pete Buttgug. He needed the full two months off. These babies were blobs. They were newborns. They don't even recognize them. And the husband, Pete Buttgug, needed to take two months off? Two months. Tell me, you think you're keeping your job if you take two months off as the father of a kid? And he got pissed off when he was criticized for it. We've got lines of ships in ports that are not being unloaded with goods that Americans need. And he got pissed when people said, what the hell are you doing? taking two months off to be with your babies. Pete Buttgug? Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, another leftist, said that before Buttgug was confirmed, Buttgug has shown a deep commitment to getting things done for Americans everywhere, and I know he will work around the clock to fix and protect our nation's infrastructure. Gretchen said he was going to work around the clock. That's 24 hours a day. He's not going to stop working till he fixes it all. That's what she said. Well, a transportation department spokesman told the Washington Post that Butt Gug was largely offline for the first four weeks of his paternal leave. That means offline. That means that he was out of touch. Nobody was speaking to him. Quote, except for major agency decisions and matters that could not be delegated. Maybe he should have delegated it all because nothing got solved. So this guy had the balls to take on this hugely important position, knowing that he was going to be taking two months of paternal paternity leave to be with his, his kids, even though there's another parent at home and God knows how many nannies. And he had the balls not even to check in. He was largely offline. He didn't even call in. He wasn't reachable. Were his kids sick? Were they born prematurely? No. No. I guess Gog and his husband were trying to figure out how to breastfeed the kids. I could understand that taking them two months to try to figure out. They probably still haven't figured it out. But if he simply had identified as a woman and, have his, and then have had a period and grown breasts, of course, because if, if you're a liberal, you can identify as a woman and you can be pregnant, apparently, according to them. He could have then lactated for the kids. If he just simply identified as a woman, isn't that how they think? I mean, men can have periods, so why can't they breastfeed and have babies? You know, breastfeed their babies too. You know? Alas, no. So this lazy, useless, inexperienced transportation secretary knew he didn't have to go to work. And look, I'm joking about the you know identifying as a woman. I understand you can't just because you identify one. I and I, I assume that some leftists know that just because you identify as one doesn't mean you actually can get pregnant and lactate. I mean, I assume there are some leftists. Anyway, he knew he, did, he wasn't going to go to work when he took the job. He knew that he had no experience in transportation. So I guess that's why he didn't go to work is what was he going to add? He loves this country so much that he took two months off work right at the start. I'm, again, I'm going to say this. You start a new job. Tell me how long you think you're going to last if you take two months off for paternity leave come on, man. That's just, it's not fair. So we'll fast forward to this holiday weekend, you know, over a year uh, and change since he's been in office. And instead of preparing for this weekend, this very busy uh, transportation weekend, instead of meeting with airline heads, ensuring that the airlines uh, who we as taxpayers gave billions of dollars to during COVID, during the shutdown to keep them afloat, instead of making sure that they could handle the staffing for the flights. For this long holiday weekend, Buttgug did absolutely nothing. Apparently, there weren't enough airline employees hired back after the great reductions in flights during the COVID shutdown. I mean, they weren't going to just have all these people that were getting paid, the airlines and not working. So they, you know, terminated a lot of them, laid them off, whatever. But then they didn't hire them back in time in order to handle the inevitable bounce back of travel. And also, uh, people were fired due to failing to get vaccinated. Remember that? But people were just stranded in the airports. They were sleeping in the airports. By the way, how funny, uh, you know, go back, was the vaccine mandate for federal employees? If you don't get the vaccination, federal employees get fired, and that includes people that work for airlines. Because we were all told that the vaccine would stop the spread of COVID. So I can understand the vaccination mandate existing. This is only one problem. It just was a complete lie. The vaccine didn't stop the spread of COVID, it was just a lie. I mean, why fire people for not getting the vaccine when all the vaccine does is make your COVID less severe when you get it? I mean, that's all well and good. I'm for the vaccine. But why are you going to fire people when it's like not like they're going to be able to they're going to get COVID more or spread it just because they're not spread it just because they're vaccinated. Anyway, Bud Gug just threw in the towel this weekend. I mean, you know, how did he handle the mess? He doesn't give a damn about the average American because he's an elitist. He tweeted, of course, that's naturally what he would do in this type of emergency situation. People are sleeping in airports. He told Americans to follow his lead, his brave lead, and claim compensation over the canceled flights. Quote, airlines offer miles as compensation for some travel issues, and you can often negotiate on this, tweeted Gug who said he got back $112.07 over his canceled flight on Friday after he was initially offered $30 back. Pete Buttgug, I mean, thank you so much for that, that assistance, that great information. Quote, sometimes an airline will offer you points or miles as compensation, but you are entitled to a cash refund when your flight is canceled. Again, Pete Buttgug, he's a travel agent now, don't you know? he's giving advice. He's giving advice on frequent flyer miles, not actually doing anything to to fix the problem. He has no idea what he's doing, of course, but he's gay and that's all that matters in in Biden's America. You're gay, you're black, you're trans. Competence is like the 27th most important trait you need to get a job from Democrats. It's just, and it's sad. It's, It's pathetic. Pete Buttgug has accomplished nothing in this job, and this is now the new normal in, in America. Flights canceled at the last minute, lives disrupted, you can't get tires for your car, you can't get regular household items, gas prices are going through the roof, and our transportation secretary gets pissed if you tell him to get his ass to work. Then, of course, naturally, he got COVID a few months later, and he needed plenty of time off for that. He was one of 15 people who got COVID after attending some policy conference in Michigan. Naturally, all the attendees had to submit proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to att- uh, to attend this. And yet still somehow it was a super spreader event. And I don't know how that can be because you get the vaccination and you can't spread COVID is what they told us, right? Wrong. The guy just never works. The entire transportation system is in the toilet. You can't afford to drive. You can't get your car fixed because you can't get parts from overseas. You can't afford to buy a used car or even to get a damn tire if you have a flat. Anyway, this weekend, it was revealed that American Airlines had a glitch in its staffing system that mistakenly gave time off for pilots, which will result in 12,000 flights without pilots between July 3rd and the end of July. 12,000 flights in like 28 days. Imagine being a liberal and actually thinking America is on the right track with the clowns that are in charge. First, it was Trump's fault. Then it was Putin's fault. Now it's the airlines and it's the oil company's fault. Never the administration, which cares mainly about pride and identity politics and paid parental leave uh, for months and firing people who don't get vaccinated. They don't seem to care about getting stuff done or actually helping America. And Joe Biden first lied and and said Putin caused the, the gas hike even though it started well before uh, Ukraine was invaded. Now he's claiming that gas stations are hiking up the prices artificially solely to make money. Quote, of course, it's a tweet again because he can't speak in public. He can't speak. he's, He's fucking demented. Bring down the price you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now, he tweeted. He commanded. I mean, is this man so fundamentally moronic? that he doesn't understand how the price for gas is set. The market sets it. Not some evil, faceless, nameless, greedy oil executive or the immigrant selling lottery tickets and slim gyms behind the counter at the gas station. Maybe let the oil companies drill, you diaper-wearing, soft-brained idiot. Jesus, the, the oil companies know the truth. This is what Chevron said. Quote, we understand the significant concerns around higher fuel prices currently faced by consumers around the country and the world. We share these concerns and expect the administration's approach to energy policy will start to better reflect the importance of addressing them. That's what Chevron said. They're targeting Biden. They're basically saying, don't blame us. It's your policies that cause this. They're being polite. Biden campaigned on promising to stop drilling for oil to wean America off of fossil fuels. He wants to all be electric, all be solar. He knows what he's doing. But of course, you have to blame somebody when you're Biden because you need to keep that job that you don't have actually work for. God forbid the guy actually got a real job. He's 100 years old. He's never had a real job in his life. He even lied about being a lifeguard when he was, what, 16? This guy's never worked. He sucked off the teat of America his entire life, and he's made zillions of dollars despite getting paid, what, a couple hundred grand a year? Somehow he lives in mansion after mansion. Takes no responsibility. Chevron said that since Biden got into office, the administration has told them that it will impose obstacles to our industry. These are quotes delivering energy resources the world needs. Exxon said that emergency measures such as waivers of Jones Act provisions and some fuel specifications to increase supplies could be used to address short term concerns. Long-term policies could include streamlined regulatory approval and support for infrastructure such as pipelines. Remember the first day in office, he canceled the Keystone pipeline. Biden takes no responsibility. He knows that he did this. He knows he's the cause. This is the Democrats' plan. This is what they want. They ran on a platform of weaning us off of oil. This is not a surprise. They told us this. If you're a liberal and you can't afford gas, you wanted this. You elected a guy who never created a job in his life, who never had to earn money to pay people. I've created what a hundred jobs over the years in a small law firm. What has this guy ever done? He's never earned any money. He's never raised any money except for uh, you know from idiots that are paying for his various campaigns. He's never run a company. He's never even run a a cigarette stand, a lemonade stand. God damn. Don't blame everybody else for your failures. This is not a partisan issue. We all need to drive. We all need to pay for, for gas. We all need to fly. Stop just pointing fingers because of politics and blame the people who deserve it. You can do it. You can hate both parties like I do. Because they both suck. They both suck. Now, I'm going to shift gears a bit to a client I'm representing. I get a lot of emails from uh, people regarding a client I have named Kay Flock. He is a young rapper from the Bronx who's been in jail for over six months on a murder charge. The case has been moving slowly, entirely due to the amount of discovery. That means uh, the evidence, potential evidence, anything that the government, that the state is doing to investigate the crime, but they have to turn that stuff over. That's what discovery is. And it's a simple case on paper. There was a shooting in broad daylight in upper Manhattan. Kay Flock, his real name is Kevin Perez, is accused of shooting somebody. And according to the evidence, the victim had a loaded gun in his pocket with his hand in his pocket, presumably on the gun. I mean, the gun was in there and was charging towards who the state claims was Kay Flock, when he was shot himself, the victim. But there's a ton of discovery being provided as to what occurred in the days before and even after the shooting, because a police investigation doesn't always just investigate the crime itself, but what caused it, especially in a case which so clearly uh, the shooting is, uh, according to the state, is a product of self-defense by the, de- you know, by the defendant who they claim the, the shooter is. So that means plenty of witnesses are spoken to by the police, people who allegedly spoke to Kay Flock and who could testify in the case against them. All these people were interviewed, dozens. People who were present during the shooting, friends of the armed victim. Sometimes these people have criminal records. We don't know who or who is not going to be an actual witness in the case. But what's become clear in the last couple of court appearances is that the state doesn't want to turn over the names of these people. Or even let us see their faces in videos if they were captured at the scene. Their faces were blacked out. or the big block, redacted. The armed victim was shot. There are people that saw it. We're not allowed to even find out their names or see what they look like. So how do you defend a case like this, you're asking? The state gets to speak to all the witnesses about who they claim, who they claim what they saw. They're allowed to speak. What did you see? What did you see? What did you see? And then they decide who to put on the stand. The defense gets no opportunity to investigate the case. We can't speak to these witnesses. They're not going to speak to us. We don't even know who they are. So we just show up at trial and start examining witnesses after the state has spent hours and hours prepping them for their testimony. We can't look into their past, uh, the uh, witnesses, because we don't know their names. We can't even identify them. You know, how can we tell if they're lying on the stand if we know nothing about their lives, their histories? We have to rely on the state to give us helpful information when we know full well that's counterintuitive to their desire to win a trial. And I want to make clear, I'm not suggesting for a second that the prosecutor in this case is dishonest, because he's not. I mean, he's actually a wonderful prosecutor. He's very fair, and he's handled the case, I think, you know, really impeccably. He's been very decent. But the history of prosecutorial fairness when it comes to disclosing helpful evidence to the defense in New York has not exactly been great recently in federal and state courts. Not of late. Now, the law does allow the state to ask a court for a protective order to prevent the information, the evidence, from going to the defense if there's a, quote, risk of intimidation, harassment, unjustified annoyance, or embarrassment to any individual. That's the law. But the law also embodies, quote, I'm quoting, a presumption of openness, as well as a presumption in favor of disclosure to the defense. There can be a middle ground too, which could uh, delay the disclosure of discoverable materials or restrict disclosure to defense counsel only. I would agree to that. Just give it to us. We don't have to show it to the to the client or anyone else. Just give it to the lawyers, so we can actually investigate the case ourselves. So they're making a motion for this protective order and it will be filed shortly, and I will vigorously oppose it. Because we actually want to win the case. We're not here just to get our asses kicked. I'm not sure what the basis will be to claim that witnesses or anyone that was even spoken to during the investigation are, are at risk or are gonna be intimidated or annoyed. Kay Flock has been in jail for months and can't do a thing. What people say and do on the internet, it's not our responsibility, and it's not like Anyone even knows who these witnesses are anyway. We're not going to hand them out to the public. We just want fairness. That's all. You got a 19-year-old kid here. He turned 19 in jail in April. His life is at stake. He faces potentially the rest of his life in jail. And all we want is a fair trial. That's it. Just a fair trial. Nothing more, nothing less. And I've gotten to know him, his mother, his management. These are real people who care about him, who genuinely care about him. And Kevin K. Flock is a quiet kid, believe it or not. He's a gentle kid, believe it or not. I know, I know you're saying, well, come on, you're a defense lawyer and he's charged with a serious crime. But listen, I see how he is since I've met him. This is a polite, decent kid to me. He's not some crazy lunatic. I think he's innocent. And we're going to take it to trial, and we're going to prove it. And anything they can do to try to stop us from getting evidence, well, we're going to fight it to the end. Now, next week, I want to talk about some memories I had of uh, my first client ever, the professional wrestler, the ultimate warrior. He was groundbreaking. Uh, He was known as Jim Helwig. That was his real name. As I said, the very first client I ever had. I picked him up, uh, took him from my first firm I, I belonged to because uh, he wanted me. He was represented by me and my boss. who was my boss's client at the time. First client I ever had, he left us way too soon a few years ago, but my memories of him are, are still very, very strong. A very bizarre dude, but a very wonderful guy, and so much has been written about him, so much of it not true. He was someone who I genuinely considered to be a brother. I mean, I loved him like a brother. We laughed so much in our time together. And, and every time we spoke, we were laughing so hard like your ribs were hurting. And I, and I wish he could listen to what I'm going to say about him next week. I haven't thought about it, but this week I'm going to start putting down the memories. I wish he could listen to it because he'd be laughing. And he had a very funny laugh, like this slow <laughs> laugh. Um, some of it's good I'm going to talk about. Some of it's not so good, but it was was all funny. Pretty much what I'd expect people to say about me when I'm gone. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Jeffrey Lickman for Beyond the Legal Limit. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, beyondthelegallimit.com. Thanks for tuning in. Please give us a listen. Give us a positive rating if you like the show. If not, whatever. See you next week.